Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, join us, me and Stephanie Goss and the whole Uncharted gang, October 7th through the 10th for our online Get Shit Done Conference. That's right, you heard me right. It's the Get Shit Done Conference GSD. It is about making changes in your practice. It's about being more efficient. It's about being more effective. It's about getting things off your plate. It's about delegating. It's about having some free time. It is about just absolutely making changes and getting shit done i will be there i'll be teaching an efficiency workshop uh, dr tr price is going to be there dr peter weinstein stephanie goss alrentia carter dr lance rosa the one and only jen galvin brett canfield dr tracy sands the amazing my friend david liss and the equally amazing carol hurst will all be presenting online and if you're like oh man that sounds like a lot of webinars it's not It's not webinars because we do workshops, which means you can plan on being there and being engaged and talking to people and talking about your practice and hearing about other people's practices and learning what they do. Not pie in the sky stuff, but like, hey, this is what I actually do. And you learn from it and it will be really powerful. It will be impactful. Head over to UnchartedVet.com and you can get registered for GSD. It is $2.99 for Uncharted members and $3.99 for the public. Uh, With the public, you get to try out our online community for uh, six weeks and I hope you'll love it. You'll get access to all of our uh, ongoing workshops and our we got a bunch of half day stuff coming up. Stephanie and Goss and I are actually doing a two day communication workshop before long. Uh, We've got some inventory management stuff in the works. It's going to be amazing. January, uh, Stephanie and I running a strategic planning master class it'll be multiple sessions all that stuff is included with your uncharted membership so anyway head over unchartedvet.com and get signed up with that let's get into this episode and now the uncharted podcast and we are back it's me and stephanie you better work goss (laughs) Back like in the saddle. I like that one. How's so it going, Andy? luxurious was our break. Oh, <laughs> uh, we relaxed so much. Oh, yeah. We got lots, lots of practice. <laughs> uh, the relaxation of summer washed over us. <laughs> I mean, at least you guys got outside a little bit, right? You got some... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just um, the things that our country is doing for COVID are uh, kind of ridiculous sometimes. Right. So like like we um, I live in South Carolina where people have fought against wearing masks. But you know what we will do? Close down bathrooms at state and national parks (laughs) because we have to keep people safe. And you're like taking the kids hiking is a great socially distant thing he gets them out of the house we should facilitate people getting together outside in parks where content like spread transmission is essentially like risk of zero um but no we're gonna shut down and when you have little people with you closed bathrooms are a thing that you have to deal with so anyway but yes oh man (laughs) <laughs> just randomly vent about a stupid thing for a second uh, but yes we did we we uh we have been doing some hiking some outside stuff and uh it has been it that has been actually really really great good good so. yeah it's uh you know it's been beautiful here we in this part of washington we get a lot of rain um <laughs> and uh it's generally rainy a lot of the year and yep. uh for those of you guys who don't know where I live, I live out in the middle of nowhere on the Olympic Peninsula. Uh, for those of you who are Twilight fans, because the new book came out this last week. And so I know we've got some listeners who are super excited about returning to Forks. I live fairly close to Forks. And so it is very true. It is rainy here most of the time. Uh, but summer is where it's at and we live for it. And the weather has been beautiful. And so it was very nice uh, to take a break from podcasting because we get up very early my time to do it and so it's nice to actually be able to sit out on the porch uh for a few mornings and watch the sun come up over the water and enjoy where we live because it is a very short season that we get to do that here every year so yeah 
I had I've this love kick in the head. Uh, as soon as I was like, literally recorded the podcast, I was like, you know, what? we're going to take a break. And then I logged off and I looked at my email and there was a question like, hey guys, could you help me with this? And I was like, no. Yep. <laughs> the good news is taking a little mini vacay left us with uh, a bunch of new questions in the mailbag. And I'm excited to get to some of them because summertime is hitting everybody and everybody's got questions. So um, I'm ex- this, this one's a good one. And I know we've got a couple more, um, in the queue that we're getting to. So if you've sent in a question and you're like, they haven't gotten to it yet, fear not, we are, we are going to get to you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're, so. we're working our way through the pile. Yep, exactly. Uh, this one's a good one. You want me to, you want me to tell everybody about, uh, what's going on in this one? Yeah, sure. If you want to, that'd be great. Sure. So um, we got an email from uh, an associate DVM who needs a moniker, Andy, if you will think of something for this one. Uh, um, but they they said that they are hoping that we can invi- uh, offer some advice on how to better manage or lead our team. Uh, it's an associate vet at a three-doctor small animal hospital. And they were saying that when things are not... Um, you know, nose to the ground, busy. The team will often stand around and talk and chat uh, and not find something to do on their own. Uh, and they, this vet was thinking about things like cleaning, stocking, uh, the, the task-driven work. They especially will do it when, I, uh, when I'm the only vet working that day. So if it's a one-doctor day, it sounds like it's a bigger challenge. I have a laid-back personality. I hate conflict. So I feel like I'm definitely getting taken advantage of in this regard. We don't have a practice manager, so it's up to the vets to manage our team. I'm always getting told by the practice owner that I need to stop this behavior, and I agree 100%, but I just don't know how. As people are standing around, I can feel the anxiety rising within me. The thought of even simply having to say to them, please find something to do, makes me want to crawl under the exam room and table and hide. All right. I love it. Um, <laughs> what is, what is this, what is this associate vet called? It's got, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's got to be a good one. Oh gosh. Now, now the, the, the stakes are super high. Um, let's see. What is, um, this is, um, this is doctor, uh, doctor, uh, doormat. <laughs> doctor doormat is getting walked on is what, is what it sounds like. Dr. Dormat is getting walked on. Okay, maybe, I love it. Maybe, maybe Dr. Dormat's getting walked on. Okay, I, I wanna, I wanna pull some things out of this right away. Okay, yeah. um, things that I would like to know for sure would be: Is Dr. Dormat the one doctor that is getting um, walked on? Right. Or are all the doctors being uh, criticized for this just separately? And they all think that they're, that they're the only ones and the other doctors are doing a better job. So I, yeah. I, I want to know that. Okay. Here, here lies the rub in this. All right. This is, this is the first thing I want to pull out. Um, when you have a, a system like this and the doctors are supposed to manage the staff, Right. And you say to your doctors, you pull your three doctors together and you say, you guys need to make sure the techs are working. Okay. Yeah. The vet that enforces this policy is penalized. And the vets that don't enforce the policy are often rewarded, right? Because they become the cool vet. And so I've absolutely seen in practices, you have a vet who's like, that's it. Going to manage this staff. And they run around and harass the staff, you know, in a way that should be done. But the other vets just lean back. And what happens is the other vets end up getting technicians that want to jump in and work with them because they're not going to harass them. You know right. what I mean? And the yep. vet's actually trying to look out for the practice is the one that people don't want to work with because they're going to ride your back, yep. you know? Yep. And so it creates this system of like, if you're the vet that steps up for the practice, the techs want to, avoid, they want to avoid you because you're a hard ass and they definitely would much rather be with the laid back vets that get full benefit of that vet who's chasing people around and cracking the whip mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. having to be the one cracking the whip themselves, yep. you know? 
Yeah. And so I always want to call that out. Just in this system, the vet that cracks the whip can be penalized while the other vets who don't crack the whip get the benefits and are seen as the cool vets who don't boss us around. You know what I mean? And so that's why I'm kind of like this leadership by group, non, uh, non-titled managing of the staff. That's a, that's one of the headaches that, that I, that I see with that. Does that make sense? It, it totally does. And I think for me, it's a big part of the conversation about um, being an advocate for practices needing a manager, because the reality is, is that um, someone has to be the enforcer. And if you have, and, and I don't mean that in a mean or negative or scary way, which is often what people think of when you say the word enforcer. But the fact is, we cannot exist in a workplace without any rules, because it will be utter chaos and nothing will get done. And so someone has to be the one to say, these are the boundaries, these are the rules. And uh, when there is no manager, there's no one who is responsible for that role. And, and your, your vets are in charge of it. One of two things happens. You either have this situation potentially where uh, the, the vet who is enforcing things is uh, penalized in some way and the ones who are not get to be the fun vets or uh, you have total chaos because nobody is enforcing anybody and there's no rules and that generally doesn't work out well either. Um, so I think that it by having someone who is in charge of that, um, it helps that it also makes that person's job infinitely easier because I do expect my veterinarians to um, give the staff uh, and the team direction throughout the day. Um, but I, I, I expect that from all of them. Like yeah. there's, you know, there's equality across that line with all of the veterinarians, whether it's practice owner, associate vet, doesn't matter to me. Everybody has the same level of responsibility that if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm happy to be the one to have the feedback conversations or do some of the other things that we're going to talk about. Um, as we go today, but, um, you know, I definitely expect the vets to be able to speak up because they want, you know, everybody wants to work in an environment that feels productive. Yeah. Okay. Let me, I want to grab onto that for a second. Let me lay down some philosophy here. I'm going to show you a little voodoo. Um, so here's, here's where this goes off the rails. I think. All right. So, so, so walk with, walk with, walk with me for a second. Okay. The least fun type of practice for me, and the one that I think makes people unhappy and where they struggle with, right, is what I call a transactional practice, right? And in transactional practice, the culture is, Stephanie Goss, you show up and you work and you give me an hour of your time Mm -hmm. and I will give you $22 -hmm. in exchange for that, right? And so I own an hour of your time and you get $22. And if I tell you to do jumping jacks for an hour, that's what you're going to do because I pay you $22 and you do what I say. Mm -hmm. Like that's transactional. I think that sucks, Mm -hmm. right? I, I, I don't think it's rewarding. I don't think it's interesting for people. And and, I, and we'll talk about how we get here because I think a lot of us, we think that's what management is. Management is making people do the things that they're supposed to do. I think that sucks. Mm-hmm. I think that's not fun. I think that's not rewarding. And for what we pay our support staff related to the difficulty of the job and the skills that are required, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, there doesn't make any sense. If that's what you think that management is, <laughs> then... Why in the world does anybody work for you? Because they can go work at the bank and make right. three times what you're paying them uh, to trade their money. If somebody just straight up wants to trade their time for money, vet medicine is going to lose out every time because sure. they can always find, if they're smart enough and work hard enough to do vet medicine, they can always find a better deal to trade their time for money that mm-hmm. doesn't involve anal glands and <laughs> cleaning up vomit. You know, like you can't. Okay. So that whole philosophy is flawed, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's insidious. And people don't sit down and go, what should our management philosophy be? It just happens. And I think a lot of us are just brought in. And that's the culture is to say, look, 
You manage the people, make them do the thing. And then right. it becomes this game of I'm going to make Stephanie Goss do stuff. And Stephanie Goss' innate interests are to try to do as little as possible, you know what I mean, to collect her money. So it becomes this game of I'm going to try to get as much out of you as I can, and you're going to try to make yourself as comfortable as possible, and we're going to battle. We're going to play that game forever. And that's right. a horrible, frustrating game. And if you're like Dr. Dormat, um, who is just like me, and you're uh, and you're laid back, and you don't like conflict, then it really sucks because you lose the game because you don't want to go to battle to make people do the thing, right? Okay, and so so just high level, I think that that's where things are really off the track, and then that's at, that's at a lot a lot of practices. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. Let's take this whole thing and philosophically turn it on its head, right? The question here really shouldn't be, how do I make these people stop socializing? The question is, what are they not doing because they're socializing? Mm -hmm. What is not getting accomplished that is important to all of us? Because we're standing around. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I flip this thing over into a value-driven conversation of, guys, we serve our patients. We serve our community. We do work that matters. Mm-hmm. When they're standing around, what are they not doing? And if the, the, the truth is, guys, we're not calling our clients back. Right. They're being left in the dark then the conversation is a whole lot easier. And it's not even about standing around anymore. It's about, guys, we're not calling people Mm -hmm. and we're not communicating. Mm -hmm. And how do we do this better? And if it's appropriate, then it will come up. You know, I see a lot of times we're standing around. and But this thing is not getting done. What can we do to better use our time? Or how do we need to support you guys so that we can get these Mm -hmm. phone calls done? And so the question is really... If you, uh, I think in the best practices, the question is not, how do I make these people stop standing around? It is, what are we not accomplishing? Where are we weak because they're standing around? And I would go a step further and really shake that model of you give me your time and I give you money. I would really shake that up and say, if they're doing everything that they need to be doing and clients are thrilled and patients are taken care of. Who cares if they're standing around? You know what I mean? Totally. And the other thing that I would definitely add on to that, because I totally agree with you um, about needing to look at it and figure out really why this is a problem. Um, because I think a lot of the answer lies in in that, like you just talked about. The other piece of it is, from an HR perspective, In veterinary medicine, we suck really bad at covering a lot of HR basics. And one of those things is that our teams are legally required to take breaks. And in other industries, (laughs) we... Uh, there is a mechanism for that happening. If you've ever worked in retail or um, really any other industry, but retail does it particularly well, you have a schedule and you actually have a scheduled time that you take a break every day. And um, someone makes sure that you get to take 10 minutes and have a breather. And um, we suck at doing that. And so my question is, Um, You know, for Dr. Dormat, if we're not busy, the team will stand around and talk. Okay, so my question is, are they working, um, you know, totally nose to the grindstone the whole rest of the day? They're going Mm -hmm. full out. You have a lull in your appointments. Someone's running late, whatever. Is are they standing around for five or ten minutes and talking? Because if that's the case, if they're working the rest of the time, all of the stuff is getting done, like you said, then to me, this is not a problem because we should be facilitating that behavior anyways. And we really suck at doing that. And so I think for me, that's part of the conversation is looking at it 
um, and seeing is is this a problem for you or for anybody in your practice because things are not getting done or is it not? Because a lot of the, a lot of it, the answer lies in, in that question for me. Up to a point, people standing around socializing, not gossiping. Now we're not talking about any, we're just talking about literally, did you see that movie? Right. What are you watching on Netflix? How was your weekend? You know, um, that's, a team building exercise. You know what I mean? That's how people build relationships and feel connected to their team. We want them to look out for each other all for one, one for all, but we don't facilitate or allow them to, you know, to, to know each other. That's counter, that's counterproductive, you know? So, and again, that's, that's up to a point of course. Mm -hmm. So, so just the idea of people just uh, socializing a bit, I I don't see that as innately bad. I, I see that as innately good, as long as it, as long as it makes sense. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So that's the first thing I want to do is take this idea. And I think a lot of times it's just the paradigm is wrong. And I hate saying that it sounds so cheesy consulty, but, but it is true. If we look at the business as the manager rides the employees and makes them do stuff mm-hmm. and gets our money's worth out of them, that's not a fun place to work. And right. it plays into the weaknesses of vet medicine, which is we don't pay our people well. Right. And uh, I hate it and we work on it. Yeah. But just being honest, uh, we don't pay people enough to ride them and yeah. just have them make themselves busy all day, every day. I, I don't think. Now, what are our strengths? Our strength is that our career is important and that we have a purpose and that we do things that matter. And so... To flip the whole thing over, if you want your people to not stand around but to work, make them believe that there's a purpose that we're working for. Make them believe that what they do when they work matters. You know, be clear about the expectations of, guys, this is what we what we need to have happen in our in our practice, right? This is the importance of what we're doing. Yeah. And so it may very well be we need to have a talk about the importance of calling clients back and communicating information to them. And yeah. then we can really talk about values and we can talk about ethics and we can talk about our commitment to patients and to pets and to healing and to medicine. And that's a much more interesting and inspiring conversation than you got time to lean. You got time to clean. The <laughs> other, the other thing with just riding the staff and being like, you need to move. You need to move. We need to get to work. That battle never ends. Mm-hmm. It's a never-ending battle because they stand around and uh, Doctor Doormat walks in and goes, "All right, guys, let's get back to work." And then they let's say that they snap to it and they immediately do it. You know what's going to happen three hours later? <laughs> They're going to be standing again, and she's going to go, "All right, guys, let's get back to work." And the battle will never end because the fundamental uh, driving factors haven't changed. Right. Fix the problem and fix it for good. And you fix it for good by not talking about them standing around, but by talking about the underlying cause, which is, guys, we're not getting this thing done. Our practice looks like a dump. Our exam room smells like cat pee. We're not calling people back with results. Our waiting time is unacceptable. Guys, talk about how it's unacceptable waiting time, not about how people stand around. And you'll accomplish what you want to accomplish in a way that matters. Like you're essentially talking to them about your why. Why can't I stand around? Well, because you're on the clock. Mm -hmm. That's a crappy why that Mm -hmm. makes me feel like, um, I don't know, like – like some some widget, you know, like I'm paying for your time and you're going to give it to me. And I'm like, that's how you see me. As, um, you know, as a, as a cog in the machine that you pay for by the hour, like that doesn't bond me to you. That doesn't inspire me. Yeah, I think, um, so generally we start with talking about headspace, right? And I think when we start to talk about why, and we start to start to talk about looking at culture, um, and having potentially some hard conversations, because if you're in a practice where, it has been the norm for there to be the culture coming from the top and a top-down management style where there's a doctor or multiple doctors who have been driving this, I say you do, 
transactional management style, changing that a is going to be slow and you have to recognize Mm -hmm. that, but, but B is, is going to involve some hard conversations. And so I think, um, you know, as we, as we do, we have to talk about the fact that the team, whether it's a one-on-one conversation that's, that's taking place, um, and Dr. Jormat's giving feedback to one person or whether the team is talking about this at whole, as a whole, there has to be safe to, there has to be space to have some safe conversations. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You, we have to get into a good headspace of when we talk to the staff, there's a couple things I think that we have to remember, right? Culture comes from the top, which means if the vets hang out and talk to each other, and then go out and bust on the text for hanging out and talk to each other. That looks like hypocrisy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's really it. If, however, if Dr. Dormat is hustling around and she's doing things and she's working and those people are standing, I think that's a much easier conversation, right? You're like, guys, you see me here with a mop in my hand and you guys are standing around. I, I feel like that's a, that's a really easy conversation to have. Um, so culture comes from the top, you know, our, do the doctors know what they're kind of working on? Are they busy? Do they know what needs to happen? Because if you're like, I don't know what you guys need to do. You need to find something to do. I, I think that's a, that is a, a harder, a harder conversation. The last <laughs> part uh, on the safe conversation is, um, so safe, you know, can I smile at this person? Can I sit next to them? Having this conversation with the staff is not appropriate when you're angry that they're standing around when right. you're feeling stressed and they're standing and you just want to snatch the flaming sword of justice from under your desk and take heads. That's not the time to have this conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the A is, is the one for me assume good intent. These people are, they're not trying to rob the clinic. You know, I, I right. think a lot of times, especially for the practice owner, it feel you're like these people, I've heard people say, this is essentially stealing. Right. You are standing here on yeah. the clock, not working that stealing. And I would say, put your righteous flaming sword away because you look foolish with it. You know, mm-hmm. like that's that is too much. That is too um, emotional. Like there nothing good is going to come from this. You need to assume that these people are tired, that they are stressed. They have a lot of they have a lot on their mind, right? I mean, we're we're recording this in the time of COVID. Um, everybody's got stuff going on that you don't know about. Yeah, like everybody's got anxiety and stress and concerns, and they're you know like everybody is doing their best. No one is trying to screw you over. Just right. relax. Yeah. That doesn't mean we're not going to talk about it, but it just means assume good intent. They are just making their way. Um, and in the world. Mm-hmm. So anyway, have they been set up to fail? What's my fault? It's like, that's expectations. That's yes. an expectation conversation. Yes. And I also think for me, the other, the other piece um, in terms of talking that I want to talk about in terms of action steps that has to do with failure is, do they know what they're supposed to be doing? Do you know what you're supposed to be? They're supposed to be doing. Cause you, you mentioned it um, before Andy, when you said, you know, if you uh, don't, know what to tell them to do mm-hmm. that to me is also an indicator that the, that there is a problem as well if you just want to see them working for the sake of seeing them working that in and of itself is a problem to me and so I think for me part of the action steps is there has to be a process by which everybody knows what should be getting done and the reality is there are going to be periods of time in our practice happens a lot more frequently in winter than it does in the middle of summer, but there are going to be times where there is downtime. And so there should be a mechanism that the whole team is aware of doctors, um, kennel staff and everybody in between so that everybody knows what the expectation is of them. And if your practice doesn't have that clearly defined, you have set them up to fail. Yeah. The, the other thing, read between the lines, right? If I come into you and say, Stephanie, I need you to find something to do. The message right there is I can't think of anything important to tell you to do. And right. so I need you to go and do something that's not important. Right. Right. Because if it was important, then I would know what you were supposed to do. Now, in a vet clinic, obviously, that's not true. There's tons of important things that I just don't know or I haven't noticed need to be done. 
But the communication message is, look, I don't have anything for you. Go fill your time, right? And if we have a system for capturing what needs to be done and reminding people, then those conversations don't have to happen. Yeah. You know? All right, yeah. cool. So that's, that's the, and then the last, the E on the safe conversation is the end result. What do you, what do you want the end result to be? Yep. I, I question this, right? And, and so I feel like this is more important than a lot of people think. What is the end result? Do you want them to be busy? Or do you want your hospital to be wonderful? You, you know what I mean? I don't know the idea of, I want my staff to simply be busy. I don't know that that's an end result to aspire to. Mm-hmm. I think what we really want is, I want a hospital that is wonderful and that clients love and that practices whatever whatever your core values are. The best medicine, the best communication, the best uh, support of our community, the yeah. best, um, you know, uh, I don't, wh- whatever, you know, the best um, uh, learning and training for our staff. Like, what do you believe in? That That's what I want. And yep. people standing around is counter to that. So I, 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 that may sound just academic, but I promise you it's not. The end result shouldn't be my people aren't standing around. They're just doing things. The end result should be this is the experience that our practice delivers. Mm -hmm. And that involves people working on it, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just a much more compelling position to take. Well, and I think too, when you, when you look at what you want the end result to be, it's an incredible opportunity to flip things on their head from the old school transactional leadership hospitals that were, when I started, more common than not, um, to an environment that is fun. For everybody and that your team feels valued and um, feels like they contribute and not in a way that is transactional. Like I'm just showing up to get my paycheck. Um, Cause I think your point in the beginning was so good, Andy, that, that we, we don't pay our people enough for that to be the case. <laughs> right. can get paid uh, yeah. I just, else. I just really believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, well, uh, I think that's true. Let's get into this, right? So, okay. so we've, we've thought about those things. The, that's the philosophy. That's sort of the headspace. Um, let's talk about some action steps, right? So you're, you're, doctor, you're Dr. Dormat. And um, I, just to be clear, I'm calling her Dr. Dormat not because I'm convinced that that's what's happening, but I think that's how she feels, you know, mm-hmm. is being. Yeah, is being, yeah. All right, cool. So here, here's the action steps. I would, first thing I would do is flip it around and say, what's the real why? Why do you want these people to not stand around? Is it because we're not going home on time? Is it because they, uh, because they're not getting lunch breaks and you feel guilty about it? And maybe if we didn't stand around, then people could have, uh, they could get lunch breaks, which is not okay for them to not get lunch breaks. You get it, but, but you get the point, right? Um, is it because people are not getting called back? Is it, what, what is the thing? Because I want to have the most powerful why that I can talk about. Why do I want them to not stand around? So what is your why? What is not getting done? Well, and I think you also have to look at it from the angle of are there things that are actually not getting done? Or is this a product of an environment where it just needs to be okay that people take a break when it's not busy because the things are getting done? Like, I think that that's a really valid question to look at and and ask, are there things not being done? If there are things that are not being done, it's very easy to look at that and figure out what your real why is, right? Yeah. Because because you're totally right. It's going to be something like the doctor is frustrated because clients aren't getting called back or um, because the clinic is a mess or because things are constantly out of stock because nobody stocks the shelves or a million different reasons that can exist in a veterinary practice for someone being angry or frustrated or upset in this kind of example, um, you have to, and if you look at it from that perspective of what is not getting done, it will be, I think that's a really good guidepost to try and figure out what your real why is. 
Yeah, I think I think looking at the context is also really, really important. And this is sort of what you were alluding to as well. If these guys are standing around after getting their butts kicked for the last six consecutive days, mm-hmm. you know, and they've been slammed and they've been staying late. And today they've pretty much got everything done and we're just having a light morning. You know, <laughs> I might buy them coffee to help right. them stand around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. And really just be like, we just, you can't run balls to the walls wide open all day, every day. You just, you know, you just can't. And if they didn't get crushed, then, you know, maybe uh, a light Wednesday when we chat as a team and we have some coffee, you know, maybe that's not the best or maybe that's not the worst thing that can happen for us in the long term because they're probably going to get their butt kicked again tomorrow. Right. You know? Now, granted, that's why I said context is important. They've been standing around the last six days, and they're standing around again today. That's not okay. Right. But you know what I mean? So there is is some context here. I don't want people to look and be like, look at those people standing around. Andy says I should jump on them and talk to them about the greater purpose of what we do. I'm not saying that. You know, I'm saying, yeah, I think think you guys sort of understand what I'm saying. It's just, um, what's not happening, I guess, is more important than are they, are they, are they standing still or not? Right. Well, and so Dr. Dormat mentioned that. I mean, they said when we're not busy, the the team will often stand around and talk and not find something to do. And they gave two specific examples of cleaning and stocking. And my question is, were those examples being given because they're common busy work? Or mm-hmm. were those examples being given because the hospital's constantly a mess and you're constantly out of things on your shelves. Like those are two very different things. Yes. And so I think that they both come back to a guiding principle and philosophy for me, which is the concept of working from a checklist. Um, but they, they're, it is a very dramatic difference if the cleaning for the day hasn't gotten done and pets are sitting in dirty kennels because cleaning hasn't been done versus they have five minutes and they haven't busted out the toothbrushes to clean the molding in the exam rooms. Like those are two very dramatically different things. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. <laughs> I love, I love, that's great. It's so true. That's exactly it. And the other thing I would say too, is if you're in a practice like this where the doctors are supposed to keep the techs on, st- on top, on, you know, on point, Mm-hmm. On point, yeah, and um, and there's not a manager or things like that. Well, I think I think the owner and maybe the doctors together should get together and figure this out. Help yourself out, right? Like the doctors are now responsible for doing all their doctor stuff, and then being aware of what the technicians need to be doing in their jobs. On top of that, that's a lot to ask. Yeah. And so make your life easier, you know, come up with, here's a checklist. Here's the stuff that needs to happen every day. Here's the stuff that needs to happen every week. Here's the stuff that needs to happen every month and every quarter, you know, and then you've at least got something to work your way through because you do look, um, you look weak when you say, guys, just, you just need to do something. I don't know what it is, but just (laughs) find something to do it. And the other problem with find something to do is, you know what people are going to find? They're going to find the thing that they enjoy. No one is like, oh, thank God I got some time. Give me that toothbrush. Right. Uh, You know, like, yeah. No, they're going to find stuff like. Yeah. They're going to find stuff like, uh, I'm going to rearrange the dog food room. Because I get to hang out and talk to the front desk while I'm doing it. You know? And it gets rearranged for the fifth time this month, <laughs> you know, what, while the bathroom will uh, burn your eyebrows off when you walk right? into it, you know? <laughs> it's totally true. It's totally true. And I think, I think there's something to be said for the doctors um, having an understanding of what the job really is. And I think on the flip side of that, One of the things, one of the most powerful tools that I have learned to put in my tool belt and use on a regular basis is to acknowledge the fact that I'm not doing your job. So I need you to tell me what you do and what you think your priorities are because I, while I have done your job in the past, I'm not currently doing it. So things have radically 
change potentially. And there's an opportunity for me to not be aware of things that are important for you. And so this is an incredible opportunity to involve the team in the process of creating a list of things, a checklist, um, you know, the daily, weekly, monthlies, quarterlies, those kind of things. It's a great opportunity for them to be able to take control of the job that they're doing, but also give their input and feel valued and heard. And then it becomes easier, especially for veterinarians, to help lead by example, because they're not trying to think of the things um, to give their team to do to keep them busy. Instead, they it becomes very easy for them to say, okay, I've got a few more things on my morning checklist that I need to get done. I've got to make my lab callbacks. I've got to do whatever. Can you um, can you please make sure that everything on your list is done? And yep. then really leading by example, but also in a way that feels very fair and even um, between yourself as a veterinarian and your team. You're not asking them to do things that you aren't then also doing. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I, I think that there is a certain sense of equity. It, it's sort of servant leadership um, sitting on Facebook on the clinic computer and telling the staff, you got time to lean, you got time to clean Yeah, that I think we can all see how that goes and what sort of feelings that would, that would evolve. Like I, I, we don't have to be doing the same things. The doctors don't have to be, when I say, you know, lead by example or culture comes to the top, I'm not saying the doctors need to be grabbing mops. Uh, I am saying, I don't think doctors should be above grabbing the mops. If the team is working their butt off and you're standing around, like, Grab that damn mop. Um, yep. You know, I, I I do believe that, but but I'm not saying that doctors have to be doing the same the jobs of the technicians, but the doctors should be getting their stuff done, right, and serving the higher purpose as the as the support staff is, right. Yep. And the other thing I say, you know, what's the holy grail here? The holy grail is having uh, support staff, technicians, assistants, front desk that look identify for themselves what needs to be done and then move autonomously and independently to take action to do that thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the holy grail of, you don't have to say anything. They just find the thing that needs to be done and they just do it. That only happens when they feel that um, what they're doing is important. They understand the purpose that they're working towards. And then they, they feel like other people are doing that same thing, that that's, you know, they're not alone in taking this initiative. You'll find people who are great and, and self-starters and motivated. Ultimately, they get frustrated when they're the ones who are finding things to do while other people stand around. Mm -hmm. All right. So what you said, you know, um, guys, what needs to get done on your list or I have my list. Some of my favorite things. Let's give um, let's give Dr. Dormat some some things to say. It's a whole lot easier to say things when I am actually working as well. So, you know, I like to be busy when I say this. Um, some of my favorite sayings, what, what I really like to is reinforce the, um, the team aspect of what we're doing. And I really like to weave a why into my question. So one of my favorite questions is, guys, what do we have to, uh, what do we need to get done so that we can go home tonight? And I like that because I, love what, that. What, I mean, well, because, you know, especially in the afternoon, they're standing around. I say, guys, what do we have to do so we can go home tonight? And that's when somebody goes, oh, we've got uh, we've got another drop off or two, you know, or we've got. Yeah, we got to we got to get these blood work callbacks done or we need to get these prescriptions filled or, or whatever we have to do. But I'm giving them the why right. in the question that I'm asking. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, you guys are standing around. What do we have to do so we can go home tonight? And what I love about asking that specific question is that the why is not singular to you as the veterinarian. It is also as applicable to them as it is to you. They want to go home at the end of the day, just mm -hmm. as much as you want to go home at the end of the day. So it doesn't single them out in a negative way that makes them feel like you are asking them to do busy work for the sake of being busy. Yep. No, that that's exactly it. Uh, in the same vein, uh, what do we need to do so we can go to lunch? What do we need to do so we can go home tonight? Um, let's see. Uh, what other things do we need to be doing? And it's not what things can you do to fill your time. It's what do we need to be doing? And it's sort of trying to make them think about holistically what is happening here, here in our practice. But I, I just feel like that way, it's a simple question. I'm not admonishing them. I'm not saying, guys, you're standing around. You have to stop standing around. 
I'm just saying, what do we need to be doing? And that, let, that, and let them tell me because if they say, oh, well, we need to be doing this thing. Great. Let's get on it. And in that same way, the other thing that I really like to ask them is, do you guys need a break? Just pure, plain and simple. Do you guys, do you guys need a break? Um, because let them tell me if they really truly are guilty of standing around and they know that they have other work to do, their answer is going to be, no, we've got stuff to do. We're going to, we're going to get back to it. If they really truly have been balls to the wall all day and they need a break, you need to create a safe space where they can say that. Yes, we need to, we need a timeout. We need 10 minutes because then you have the choice to empower them and say, okay, look, um, why don't, you know, why don't one of you stay here to cover the phone or cover our patient that's in recovery or whatever it is. And the rest of you guys take 10, go outside, get some water, and then let's get back and finish banging out this, you know, the caseload that we have waiting or whatever, whatever is going on. You're giving them direction, but in a very positive and clear way that doesn't feel punishing to them because the reality is they need to take breaks. They deserve to take breaks. You deserve to take breaks. And so acknowledging that and just asking them where do they stand is one of the um, one of the best things that I have found for addressing that because it's it is really truly true. I I really assume good intent when they're busted and they know it, they're going to speak up and they're going to say, yeah, no, we, we, we'll, we'll get right back to work. Like, yep. you know, they're, they're, they're adults. They're, they're going to call themselves on it. Yeah. And it, until they don't, or unless they don't, and let's talk about chronic offenders. Okay. Because so we shouldn't. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And so we've painted a rosy picture of the staff. And when you're talking about the staff as a group, I do believe in good intent. You know what I mean? Um, now, if we are talking about an individual where I see um, Daryl and the, one of the CSRs talking, and then later on I see Daryl and one of the techs talking, and then later on I see Daryl and the kennel assistant talking. Yeah. Um, it may be time to talk to Daryl, right. right? Okay. Now, the instinct and the most obvious thing is to talk to Daryl about standing around. I wouldn't go at it that way when I want to talk to Daryl. Instead, I would flip it around and talk about um, what is Daryl not getting done, right? Yep. And so it's not, hey, you're standing around. It's Daryl, hey, you're not getting callbacks done. You're taking back fewer rooms than any of the other technicians. Daryl, Dr. Daryl, you're seeing fewer appointments than the other doctors. Or Dr. Daryl, your average client transaction is significantly lower than the other doctors. Can we talk right. about why that is? And it's probably because he's not working up cases and he's goofing off and he's not doing work. He's just not working, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So um, instead of you're standing around, it's let's talk about what is not getting done because that is right at that is right at the why. And hopefully if I do it the right way, I'm going to give him things he can't argue about. When I say, Daryl, you're standing around. And he goes, no, I'm not. Yes, you, yes, you are. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm really, you just saw me. I only stopped three times today. And you happen to see me every time that I stopped. And I go, I don't believe that's true. Right. But now we're just arguing. If I say, Daryl, here's the number of appointments that the other technicians took back. And here's the number of appointments that you took back. That. That's some, that's some hard numbers, and I'm speaking in specifics, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what, what he did not do. Well, and it's really easy to, like, if you give a concrete example, like, hey, Daryl, um, you know, you didn't get all of the kennels cleaned. You know, I, I, was, I happened to be walking through, and I saw that these kennels were dirty. Can we talk about that? Daryl can still say, oh, yeah, no, I was just on my way. I was getting to it. Um, and a lot of times with, unfortunately, with our chronic offenders, m most of us know that there's um, a lot of excuse happening and a lot of blame game happening. Um, and at the same time, um, when we want to assume good intent, it is very easy as a manager to say, oh, okay, I completely understand that. I just want to make sure you know how important that is. Um, can you please make sure that that gets done first? Because that should be your priority. Then when Daryl is talking to the front desk and talking to one of the doctors and talking to a technician and you walk back and the cages are still dirty, 
the conversation becomes easier to have and say, hey, Daryl, yesterday when we talked about this thing and we talked about it being a priority, it's still not happening. It becomes exactly like you said, Andy, about it being something actionable that they are responsible for, that they are not getting done. And it becomes very clear and easy and black and white and unemotional. And at some point, the excuses and the blame game no longer hold up because you're talking about a pattern of behaviors and repeat mm-hmm. behaviors, and it's not subjective at all. It's these. this dog was sitting in their, their cage. They, these were the days. This is when it happened. And it becomes easier to take action on that, which mm-hmm. is often what so many, especially my veterinarian friends who are also in the role of being a manager or are a practice owner and are in charge of the, the firing of people or the disciplinary process, they really struggle with making it objective and actionable because they're because they're um, trying to discipline on the symptom, which is yep. Daryl talking to people and not dealing with the disease, which is the work that actually isn't getting done. Exactly. Yep. I completely agree. I'm hundred percent with you. So um, talk about the work that's not getting done and, and document. And I think that's, you're exactly right. That's exactly where your, your documentation comes from as we move through our steps towards, uh, towards termination. If this behavior can't change, use the feedback model uh, of just saying, Hey, when you do this, this is what happens. Hey, when you, and I, and I don't even say when you stand around, uh, I'll say when you don't use your time wisely, we end up with pets in dirty cages, people not getting called back, uh, you know, and, and stressed out doctors and staff. Mm-hmm. Can you be smarter about how you use your time? Mm-hmm. And I do like, I like that more than uh, talking about, Hey, you're standing around. Hey, I don't believe you're using your time wisely. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how you're using your time. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is, uh, you know, Steph, what happens if, uh, if this behavior continues? Well, then you have to, I mean, you have to deal with it. And so many of us, so many of us avoid, avoid dealing with the conflict. Right. And Dr. Dormat is like, look, I'm laid back. I don't like conflict. I don't want to be in charge of this process. The reality is someone in your hospital has to be in charge of it. Like there has to be someone who at the end of the day is going to deal with actually dealing with the, the chronic um, offenders because that is going to ruin your team. And mm-hmm. what's going to happen is one of two things. You're going to lose good people because you're not dealing with problems and you're avoiding the cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, or that problem child is going to create um, problems that reach beyond just your team being affected. At some point, um, you know, pets are going to get sent home without the right meds or something is going to happen that um, that goes beyond just the team in my personal experience. And so I, you know, this is this is where Dr. Dormat has to have a conversation with the I think with the other veterinarians and particularly the practice owner who is pushing at them, telling them that they have to manage and that they're in charge of stopping the behavior. And there has to be a discussion about what the plan is. Um, and who at the end of the day is ultimately going to own that, um, own that monkey because someone has to. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's exactly it. You can't have cheaters. If you want to have a culture where people work hard and they jump in and it's all for one, one for all, it can't be all for one and one for all, except Daryl who does what he wants to do. And that's it. Like you have got to, you've got to run this down. If you have a chronic offender, you have to deal with this and that person may have to go, but you, you're not going to be able to get a culture where people go above and beyond and really throw themselves in when you've got some people who stand around and shoot the bull and don't do the work that just, it's too frustrating and infuriating for the people who are making the sacrifice. So you've got to like, ultimately you have to take that step, but in the case of Dr. Dormat, it doesn't sound that way. It sounds like people are kind of standing around and um, yeah. and we need to talk about the why. We need to talk about what people need to be doing. We need to come up with ways to sort of throw in the question of, guys, what do we need to do so we can go home? Guys, what do, what do we all need to be doing here? 
Yeah. And, and for Dr. Dormat, I would say where I would probably start is looking at, um, you know, do this for me goes back to the very beginning, which is the safe conversation. Have we set them up to fail? Do they know what they're supposed to be doing? Because I've been in plenty of practices where the expectation is you have time to lean, you have time to clean, but there's no actual lists. There's Mm. no actual rainy day, um, you know, job board where people can have a list of things and be like, you know, I got 20 minutes. I could pick one of these things and get it done. There's, there's no, um, there's no clear job guidelines or roles, but there also is no clear expectations that that is what is supposed to happen. And so I think, I think for Dr. Dormat, part of it for me would be saying, you know, do you have those things? If you don't, you need to get them. And if you have those things and they're not effective for me, asking the why involves, do they understand the expectation have, has the expectation been set? Because if it hasn't, that's really something easy to address. Mm -hmm. Um, if it has, if you have both of those things, you've set the expectation and you have the checklist and it's not getting done, that's a, that's again, it's kind of like the chronic offender. Like that's an easy behavioral conversation to have about what is not getting done and why it's not getting done and what the impact of that is versus just getting frustrated about it because they're standing around and they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And I think a lot of us, I know I have been guilty about this um, on more than one occasion. A lot of us forget what it's like when you get one or two new people on your team who don't know how your hospital does something or who have never worked in vet med before. The reality is they don't know what they don't know. And if they've never worked in a hospital that had a rainy day checklist or they never have been told, hey, if you get done with all of your tasks, you can always do these three things. You can always... Um, you know, take pets out to pee. You can always, you know, check the laundry. You can always uh, make sure the exam rooms are stocked. If they haven't ever been told to do that, they don't know what they don't know. And so they're not going to go looking. You're going to have people who innately are going to go looking for things to do. The reality is not all humans are that way. And so you are going to have people who are not innately going to go and look for things to do. And so if you don't set that expectation, you are ultimately setting them up for fail failure every time. And you're setting yourself up for failure too. Yep, totally. The last two sort of parting words for me, two quick reminders, uh, I would say to Dr. Dormat, and I've said this a number of times, and um, I still stand by it. um, You're not their friend. You're the doctor. And it is your, if you're there to manage them, you're not their friend, you're their manager. That that doesn't mean you don't like them. That doesn't mean you're not friendly to them. It doesn't mean you don't care about them deeply. Mm -hmm. But you need to liberate yourself from the um from the idea that you're their friend and so it's weird for you to say something to them or you don't want to be uncool be comfortable with being uncool because it's not your job to be cool it's your right. job to to get stuff done and get these patients taken care of so right. so again kind friendly that doesn't it shouldn't change your behavior but it's just something to for you in your mind you're not their friend get the job done you know what i mean and 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 and, and do good work but you need to take that weight of what if they what if they don't think I'm cool anymore? Take that off your shoulders. Right. Um, and and then the um, the other part is what is kind? And this helps me a lot. What is kind? Is it kind for you to not make things awkward by saying anything? Right. Is that the kindest thing? Or is the kindest thing for you to say something so that you don't continue to get angrier and angrier or more resentful or so that the other the practice owner doesn't look through the security cameras from home and say, I am really tired of seeing these people standing around and I'm going to bring some repercussions upon them. The kindest thing often is for you just to say something like, Hey guys, let's talk about what we're doing with our time and what we need to be doing instead. Mm-hmm. Cool. I love it. Anything else? Nope. Sweet. Thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, this is, this is a good one. And, um, Dr. Dormat, I would say if you, um, if you don't have some of these things in place, um, I think uh, uh, we actually had an Uncharted book club book that uh, is exceptionally helpful in this case. The Checklist Manifesto is a fantastic book. 
uh, that really changed the way I look at to-do lists and project management and team management from a checklist perspective. Um, and so if that isn't the case already in your clinic, that might be a great uh, a great resource. It's a good starting place to look at how do you how do you get the team involved with the idea of using checklists and kind of managing their own time from a from a list perspective. So yeah, cool. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Yeah, have a good one. And that's our episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Steph and I came out of retirement to do uh, We came out of our very short summer break to do this episode. I hope you really liked it. Uh, I I think this is fun. I've seen a lot of questions about this recently. I think everybody's busting their butt, and we're all trying to make sure that we are carrying our weight. So anyway, I hope you guys got something out of this. Uh, If you did, the best thing, the the nicest thing, the most uh, meaningful thing that you could do for me uh, is just to leave me an honest review on iTunes. We don't have a Patreon. We don't ask for money uh, in any way, anything to support the podcast. We just do it because we love to do it. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's if you want to, if you want to, if you want to throw me and Steph a bone, an honest review on iTunes is the best way to do it. Anyway, take care, be well. Let's be the people that our pets deserve. Bye.